Acts chapter 20. I want to start out of there. But I actually want you to go, if you would, to 2 Corinthians. And I'll read real quick, real quick, real quick out of Acts. I sent this verse out this morning. And uh, if you, if you uh, already know what I'm talking about, I've been putting, uh, trying to put the title out as, as much as I can the day before, the, a couple days before. Uh, I want to talk about the joy of generosity this morning. Amen. The joy of generosity. Now, sometimes people would not, would not link those two things together, generosity and joy. But how many know that you can be happy and be a giver? Amen. Now, right before I get started, I'm not, gonna talk, I'm not talking about money this morning. Okay? This isn't a money message, although that is included. But I want to talk about being generous. How many would like to be more generous this morning? Let me see your hand. I can raise both hands. I want to be a person that is more generous. In every area of my life. In Acts 20, I sent this out this morning. It says, I've shown you, verse 35, in every way. So he's saying not just finances, but in every way. By laboring like this, that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Now remember, these are Jesus' words. It is more blessed to give than to what? Than to receive. Amen? It is more blessed to give than to receive. Father, we pray for this message this morning. We ask you to anoint our ears, our minds, and our spirits. We ask you to let the pages of the Bible come off this morning in a powerful way in our lives. And, and Lord, that you would get inside of our hearts this morning and that you would challenge us to be givers, to be generous, to have a spirit of generosity and have a joy as we're generous, Father, in all the areas of our lives. Father, we pray for this message. We thank you that you're bringing our youth home safe, Father. We thank you for all those that are traveling this morning, those that are sick and need a touch in their body that are out this morning, Father, those that are discouraged. We just pray right now, God, for a moving of your spirit upon this message and upon this service and upon this day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said... Amen. How many will come back tonight and listen to those awesome testimonies from the teenagers? Amen. They're going to take care of the service. So it says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, every word of the Bible is important, but when Jesus speaks, extra emphasis. Amen. Because he, he was speaking them red words. And he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 9. And, and I want to read a verse that many times when we are taking up the offering and tithes, that we use these verses to remind us about giving and everything. But again, I know, I, I told you when I try to preach, I try to put myself in your shoes. So I'm going to tell you again, this is not a giving message. This is not a money message. Amen. But I want to show you something in these scriptures, because a lot of times when we read a scripture, we only see part of it. Right? We only see the beginning or we see the end. We don't see the whole thing, and we definitely don't see what God wants us to see sometimes because of flesh. Is anybody else in here flesh? How many flesh people I have here? All right? How many want to live more in the spirit, though, than in the flesh? Okay, that's the constant battle. So when you begin to talk about generosity, there's a humongous battle of flesh and spirit there. The spirit of generosity wants to come out, and the spirit of flesh wants to keep. The spirit of generosity wants to give, and the spirit of flesh wants to receive. So he says it's better to give than to receive, and don't lie, there's nobody in here that doesn't like to receive. Okay, we all like to receive. You, you can say it all you want. You can try to act holy all you want. You can try to act spiritual all you want. But at Christmas, you're looking for a gift. 
Okay, it starts when we're kids. And how many remember at Christmas time, looking, going and looking under the tree? Did anybody else do that? See how many boxes had your name on it? Peek inside to see if you could see what it was. And then once the gifts start getting passed out, whether it's one or five, you're counting and you're saying, who's got more gifts than me? Or who, who was, who, you know, who, who's, who's got less gifts than me? And you're doing all this because our flesh likes to receive. And then the older you get, you realize that the best gifts come in small packages. Right? When you're a kid, you want that big toy. You want some kind of big thing you can play with. And when you get older, you just want money. Right? How many, how many would agree that the best gift is just a gift card? Amen? Don't try to figure out what I like. Just give me a gift card. Amen? But I'm talking about the receiving part that our flesh loves to get. Okay, so let's just be honest with ourselves and say we like to get. But God says, Jesus says, it's better to be a giver than to be a receiver. So 2 Corinthians 9, 7, watch this. It says, so let each one give as he purposes. Now watch this. I want you, this is one of those places I want you to underline. As he purposes in his heart. In his heart. So we're going to start off right off the bat on this teaching this morning, on this message that giving and being generous and being joyful in generosity is a heart issue. Okay, it starts from the heart. It says not grudgingly or of necessity. So that could go to say, well, you know, sometimes I give because I know I'm supposed to give. Okay, now remember, this isn't just an offering or tithe. This is giving of myself. This is giving of my time. I'm going to go into some things this morning. This is giving of many things. It's not just tithes and offerings in a church service. It is giving of everything we have. How many know we have a lot to give this morning? Amen. It's not just money. I've got to keep reiterating that. So he says, not grudgingly or of necessity. When I do something good, when I'm generous with myself, when I help someone or I love on somebody, am I doing it because I know I should or am I doing it because my heart says I should do this because God wants me to do this and I want to do it. Okay, y'all follow me so far? So he says, God loves a what? Cheerful giver. So he basically is saying, here's the thing. He's basically saying, if you don't give it to me happy, just don't give it to me at all. Have you ever received a gift grudgingly from somebody? Amen. And you would have just rather them not giving it to you at all. There's something about receiving a gift from somebody and them being happy about letting it go. Right? Have you ever seen somebody give something to somebody else and they don't want to let go? It's like, here, the Lord told me to give this to you. And they go to grab it and they don't let go. Inside, they're like, the Lord told me to give this to you. But I really don't want to. But I'm going to let go in just a second. Amen? So not, that's not how God wants us to give. He wants us to give cheerfully. Meaning, He wants us to understand. And I could really read one verse this morning, and we could go home and meditate on it all day long. God so loved the world. He gave. Okay, He's the biggest giver. We can never say, well, what have I gotten from God lately? You could never get ever anything again in your life. And what God gave you on the cross is enough. Can anybody say amen? I don't need anything else this morning to make me happy. I've got it in Jesus. Everything else is just a blessing. So we can start that off. I'm not going to use that this morning, but that verse alone would leave us good, realizing we'll never be able to give enough to be like Jesus. 
Because he gave his very best. So God loved the world so much he gave. So let, let us purpose this morning in our hearts. So I want to focus on that a little bit as I talk about this message this morning about joy of generosity. That you would begin to purpose in your heart to be a giver and not a taker. Okay, now when I say that, that doesn't mean that you don't have to learn also to be a taker, to be a receiver, okay? Receiver is the better word. Because there are givers and there are takers. There are people who are always looking for an opportunity to give, and there are other people who are always looking for the opportunity to receive. Okay, they don't ever want to give. And so we need to get to a place where I say, Lord, I want to purpose in my heart to be a generous person. And I want to purpose in my heart to be generous happily. Right? I want to be happy about giving. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to make a statement. I believe there's two types of people in the world. And I'm just going to make it to where you could gravitate with, uh, what's the word, what's the math when you uh, go up or down? Um, let's say you've got 47, you've got to go to 50. What's it called? Rounding up? Okay, we're going to round up to one side or the other. Okay, we're going to, I know there's probably three or four, but I'm going to say there's two types of people in the world this morning. Selfish people. And generous people. Is that an okay statement? That is two types of people in the world. You might be, you know, not right on one or the other, but you will just round up to whichever side you are. And you figure out which one you are. And I ask you that question, what are you this morning? Are you, and you don't have to answer it. And hopefully by the time the service is over, you'll know. Or maybe you know now and you'll work on it, whatever it is. But I ask you that question, are you a generous person or are you a selfish person? Which one are you? Now, here's a, here's a true statement. We would all like to have the reputation of being generous. Correct? Oh, man, that person's so generous. Man, that person's a giver. They're so, they're, so, they're so giving. They're just always giving, giving. Everybody would want that reputation, right? If I asked you right now, how many would like to have a reputation of a generous person? Nobody would not raise their hands. But here's the problem. We'd all like to buy that reputation as cheaply as possible. Right? But at the least cost, I can have that reputation. To have a reputation of being generous, it's not cheap. Giving has to go on. Giving, giving, giving. Now, you can get to a place, and I'm not going to use this scripture this morning, as far as I know, but I, well, I guess I'm using it now, but it wasn't in my notes. That we don't get to a place where we grow weary in what? Well-doing. That we don't get to a place where we grow weary in doing right, because as believers, I'm not talking to people out in the world today, I'm talking about believers, sons and daughters of God, we should be generous, and we should be people who give of ourselves. If Jesus gave, I should give. If Jesus sacrificed, I should sacrifice. If Jesus loved, I should love. Amen? So I should give of myself. And as I do that, I realize that there is a price that's going to be paid. But I remind myself, I'm not going to grow weary in doing what's right. Because in due season, I will reap a harvest. I mean, the words of God cannot lie. If I keep doing what's right, and I keep sowing seeds, and I keep giving, then God's going to be faithful to give me a harvest. Because here's one of the biggest things. This is, it's funny because it kind of ties in. It, it, with giving money. Let's say to the church, because when you begin to say, okay, I'm, you're going to walk out of here this morning, I hope, and you're going to say, man, I'm going to be a more generous person in every area of my life. I'm going to give, give, I want to be a giver. What happens is, is we make that statement by emotions, and the message sounds awesome, and we hear of somebody else being generous, and we say, I want to be like that. 
And so we get this spirit of yes. And we, we almost just stand up and shout, yes, I want to be generous. But then we go out and we begin to be generous once or twice. And we don't receive back off of that giving. And so we stop. Because I'm really not giving and being generous because I want to do it from my heart. I'm doing it because I want to reap a harvest. Okay, right? I'm just talking about our flesh battle again. And so it kind of reminds me of a story. Actually, let me read a verse real quick. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. You just write it down. Give freely and you'll become more wealthy, the Bible says. Now, again, that's not just money. Be stingy and lose everything. Okay? The generous will prosper, and then he says, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. It's almost like that scratch someone else's back, someone will scratch your back thing. Worry about the need of somebody else, worry about what somebody else needs, and somebody in the principle of giving is going to come around and worry about you. Serve somebody else, and somebody will serve you. How many understand that principle this morning? Amen? So it's kind of like a story of a pastor who is living next door to a farmer. And he's talking to this farmer over the fence. And he goes up to that, to that man one day and he says, Abe, he says, if you had 100 horses, would you give me 50 of them? And Abe says, yes, pastor, I'd give you 50. So Abe, pastor says to Abe, if you had 50 cows, would you give me half of them? Abe says, yes, pastor, I'd give you half of my 50 cows. Pastor says, Abe, if you had two pigs, would you give me one of them? And Abe says, stop it, pastor. You know I have two pigs. See? Let me make sure y'all caught that. See, when I, when I don't have it, I'm generous with it. But when it's mine, and then you ask for what I have, all of a sudden... I could give 50 cows away that are not mine, but I can't give one pig away of my two. See? That, that's kind of how, what happens in our, in our spirit is, is we're able to have a generous ideology and a generous spirit, but we don't connect the spirit and the, and the ideology with the action. Okay, it's like many things. I could, I could say I want to have the best marriage in the world. I just, I just decide I'm going to be the best husband. I'm going to be the best father. I'm going to have this just the most romantic, amazing marriage in the world. And I'm going to, I see somebody else. And I, Yesterday, me and my wife went to my happy place to eat breakfast. Amen. And I looked over at this couple. And this couple was talking. They, they must have been just guessing late 60s, early 70s. You could tell they were madly in love. You could just look at this couple. They were sitting on the same side of the table. They were holding hands underneath. They were looking into each other's eyes. They were talking. I mean, they, you could tell they were in love. I said, Carl, look at that couple. And she goes, they ain't married. <laughs> That's what she said. She goes, they ain't married. And she goes, they don't have no rings on. I said, my mom and dad don't wear a ring. Your mom and dad don't wear a ring. That don't mean nothing. She goes, true. So you can look at this. I mean, I just, it just blew me away. I was like, man. And then they prayed together when their food came. You can just tell they were in love with each other. So you can look at that marriage and say, man, I want a marriage like that. Right? How many look around and see something that somebody has and you go, I want that right there. But when you get home to your marriage and you begin to try to be generous and be loving and have that marriage, 
it's not so easy when it comes down to actually doing it. So the ideology sounds good. A lot of times in services and in, 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 in messages, and this is something that I've seen over the years happen in church, okay? Uh, this even goes to people being called. Okay, let's say we're at conference in October. I'll give a plug for that, by the way. We're going to have an awesome conference in October. If you haven't been, go. Take time, 6th to the 10th of October. We'll be at that conference. It'll, God will be moving all week long, and the services in the morning, services at night. All these people will be there for a common cause, and they'll be talking about the ministry. This one's called uh, the machinery of the gospel. And they'll be talking about ministry, and they'll be talking about answering the call, and they'll be talking about going, and they'll be talking about doing, and all this stuff, just like the youth coming back from camp, all these emotions and this excitement and all these things going on. And during that, there'll be a call at some time during the week where some pastor, if it's not the general, some pastor will say, how many will answer the call to go and preach the gospel? And how many know there's going to be several people that week that are going to say, Yes, I'll go. Why? Because they're in the heat of the moment. Because they're in the emotion of feelings and, and a pumped up thing. It's, it, and they're excited. It's like those people who sell things at those big conferences. Everybody's there and everybody wants to buy and everybody wants to do. And then they get home to reality. I'll go. I, I, Pastor, I'll go. I will preach the gospel. I'll answer the call. Me and my wife will go. We'll go any city you want us to go to. And then they get home and they realize they like the city they live in. They realize it's not going to be so easy to move. And, and they, they like their job. And I'm, I'm just giving an example. And so the emotions get upon us and we make decisions out of emotions that we're not going to follow up on. And so that happens to us when we hear a message about generosity. Because in the spirit of God that's in us, all of us want to be generous. We all want to be givers. On paper. Y'all with me? It's true, right? I mean, I know our minds are going right now because that's, that's the way I am too. I hear stories all the time. And I hear that story about this girl and I hear all the, and I get excited. And, oh God, I wish you'd just give me a million dollars. But see, I've realized God is not going to give me a million dollars to give until I'm faithful with the dollar and the ten and the twenty and the hundred and the thousand and on and on. Right? We have to learn to be faithful with the little things. So let's, let's look at another verse this morning. Let's go to the book of, let me get my notes turned here. Luke chapter 10, please. I was praying about this and I, and I got a good thought. And it, it may seem obvious, but you know when you're getting a message together, sometimes you're trying to bring in a story that will really fit. And this one was, was an easy one. But I think it works great. Now, I said this in the beginning. I'm going to say it again right here because it's in my notes especially. Generosity, when you say the word generosity, does not equal money alone. Okay? It's not money alone. Money is a part of generosity. It's, in, it's involved. But I'm going to show you here in some verses and some, and some things that I'm talking more about just money. Okay? I'm talking about everything you are. Being a generous person in every area of your life. Now, as we look at Luke 10, some of you are going to recognize this. Go to verse 25. You're going to recognize this right off the bat. And behold, a certain lawyer, Luke 10, 25, stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, 
What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and your neighbors yourself. Stop there before you continue reading. He just did exactly what I've been talking about for the last few minutes. He gave the on paper answer. You know what I'm saying? He gave the correct answer. He said with his mouth, well, if you love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, we know this morning that's the answer. But how many of us do? Right? I'm not, I'm not saying that condemning. I'm asking us, because I started off saying we're either generous or we're selfish. So we need to ask ourselves, do we really love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength? Okay? Because many times in the Bible, if you always remember, those were the kinds of people Jesus was fighting against. The right answer people. And it's good to have the right answer. But this goes into an example you'd think of in school. How many people, let's, let's, go to, let's give a mechanics example for or doctor. Let's go doctor. This goes to that doctor. Okay? A great doctor that does lots of surgeries and is always successful and does a great job and has a reputation as a great doctor does not always mean they're the smartest doctor. Doesn't always mean they got the highest grades. You could have a valedictorian in whatever med school in the United States is the highest. I don't know which one it is. You could have the valedictorian of that school get all straight A's and not be as good a surgeon as somebody who got B's because they know how to apply what they learned in school on the operating table. And that comes down to us many times as believers. A lot of believers in the world have the right answer. But they don't do the right thing at the right time. Okay, they don't apply what they're learning and what they know in the Bible to their life. And so again, someone could say, I want to be generous and be generous on paper and know how to be generous. But when the moment comes to give the one pig, then I hold it and say, I only have two. Don't ask me for one, please. How many of you get what I'm saying? And so it's just an area where I'm working. And, and we have to understand, this goes back a lot to uh, uh, what we talk about a lot of times of how we were raised, where we came from, wh- what, what parents we had, what we watched, what we saw, who we were around. Obviously, if you were raised around people who were selfish, it's going to be very hard for you to just be unselfish. How many understand that? You've been raised around hoarders. That word came to me this morning. Don't be a hoarder in in God's kingdom. A hoarder is just always, I even went to the dictionary and looked at it. It's just a grab, grab for myself, keep for myself. And it even says in the dictionary, hold on for a later purpose. If you really think about the gospel, that's the exact opposite of the gospel. God never asks us to hold on for later. He asks us to give now. Don't be a hoarder. Don't be a spiritual hoarder where you're saying, well, I might need that later. Because if you have sticky fingers in life, then God can't bring more things to you because you're holding on to the one thing you already have. But if you'll let those things go, he'll bring you more. It'll just be a flow in your life of generosity. This isn't mine anyways. It's God's. And I know everything's mine, not mine. It's God's. And I'm not going to hoard. I'm not going to hold. I'm just going to let go and let go. And then God blesses that. Okay. So we see here, he says, here's their answer. Now watch what happens. And he says in verse 28, you have answered rightly. Okay. And he says, do this and you'll live. Okay. Do this and you'll live. 
But we see right here in the next verse that he didn't do it. Wanting to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Okay, so we're seeing a what here? A heart issue. A problem with this man's heart. He's trying to be right on paper, but, need, but not be right in his heart. So Jesus says this story that all of you have heard, but so perfect for this message. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked, passed by on the other side. But a certain, what? Samaritan. As he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had, what's the key? He had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged, watch this, this is where you begin to see, this isn't about money. This is about a heart. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. Okay, most of us, myself included, would have been good enough with just, hey, here's some money. Okay, you, you, you look pretty messed up. Here, here's a dollar. We've all done that. I'm not dogging us this morning. I'm just getting us to try to be better. Amen. And so most people would have done that. But this man, he was a generous man, not just on paper, but in application. How many know that this man we see later was a businessman and was probably busy? He was probably on his way to a business meeting or a, or a business deal. He was busy. But he stopped and not only had compassion, but he began to bandage. That takes some time, bandaging up wounds. I would have probably failed right there. I don't like the sight of blood. I, don't, I, don't, I, I, can't, I can't do it. I've only watched the Passion of the Christ once. I can't watch it again. I can't see that. I'm the kind of person that turns my head away. I cannot watch that. Some people are... Aren't you thankful that God has so many different people in the world? That he made people... If everybody was like me, everybody would die on the street. There'd be no ambulances. They'd be like, oh, he's pretty bad. Let him go. That, that, that would be me. Be, that would be the problem. Okay? One of, one of these NBA players just broke his leg the other day. I have not seen the video and will not watch it. I don't want to see it. I can't do it. How many of you follow me? So he stops. And out of the generosity of his heart... He bandages his wounds. He pours oil, verse 34, and wine. And he set him on his own animal. Then that wasn't enough. Then he takes him to the hotel, to the inn. And it says, took care of him. So he didn't just take him to the hotel and leave. He made sure he got in the room. He made sure that he was okay. He, he really took time. He was generous in every area of his life. And then it says, on the next day, so he stayed. The night. When he departed, now my, someone might say, well, he had to stay anyways, he had to go to the next place. That's fine, but he still stayed. When he departed, watch what he did. He took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three, says, do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And now the guy says, well, he who showed mercy on him. And so Jesus says, go and do likewise. Okay, so this isn't just a message of serving. This is a message of generosity. And the joy of generosity. 
Even if you're here today and you're on the side, rounding up or down, of selfishness. Okay, I, I said you're either generous or selfish. Even if you're on the side of selfishness, you know what it feels like to give something to somebody and feel the joy of giving something. There's joy in that. That's why I'm calling this the joy of generosity. I could have said the power of generosity, the spirit of generosity, but the joy of generosity is understanding that I, people who are givers are happy people. Right? People who are givers are happy people. Now write this down real quick if you're taking notes. Here's some things just quickly. There's many more you can be generous with. Your time. Be generous with your time. Okay, this, this Samaritan, like I said, took time to take care of this man. He could have just given him money. He could have said, hey, here's $100. There's the hotel. Go stay in it. That would have been a good deed. But he took the time to make sure that this guy lived. I mean, that took time. I, I can't stress that enough. Sometimes, parents, we don't take enough time to look our kids in the eyes and spend time with them, be generous with our time. I've told the story many times growing up. My parents are here. I thank God for generous parents, first of all. But I remember growing up, I didn't know my dad until I was 13 years old. I didn't know him. He was in the house. But we were two ships passing by in the night because he worked so much. And he, he, he knows that. He made, he, made, and he made good money. I never really remember all that stuff. But when, he became, when I turned 13, he had to retire physically. And then all of a sudden he was around and we didn't have the things that they said I had when I was younger because I don't remember them. We didn't have the things, the nice house and the cars and all that. But I had my dad. Because when I was younger, my mom went to all my games. My dad couldn't make them. So to me, I would choose the time with my dad over the things. And what do we have today? We have a what's it called latchkey generation. A generation that, that works and works and works and works. And the kids have their Xbox, but they don't have parents. Right? And so just thinking about the time thing. Marriage. The time. Looking at that couple of cracker boys, Just spending time with each other. Church. Fellowship. All these things. There's a lot of things I go into for time. I'm not going to take it. But being generous with your time. When you get into the, to the ministry and you say, God, I want to serve, you're going to have to be generous with your time. Because you're going to have to be at the services. You're going to have to try to go to outreaches. You're going to try to, to go to, to events. You're going to try to go to movies. You're going to try to go all these things that we try to have come to, for prayer. It takes time. And, and, and this goes back to sometimes people don't answer the call and don't do it because they don't want to sacrifice their time. Okay? Another one is attention. This kind of goes hand in hand with what I was saying. Attention. Taking the time to be generous with your attention. All of us struggle on that. Someone wants to talk to us, and we're busy going to point B. Between A and B, someone needs our attention, and we don't give it to them. I've told this story before, and I'll throw it out just in case anybody hasn't heard it. And some have. Great story. Attention. Girls going to prom. Some of you already know where I'm going with this. Girls going to prom. 16, 17 years old in high school. She comes downstairs. She has, she's a virgin. She has no intentions of doing anything with anybody that night. She just wants to look pretty and go to prom. 
She comes downstairs and, and asks her dad, Dad, do I look pretty? The dad's reading the newspaper. The dad never puts the paper down and says, You look good, honey. And she walks out the door. He did not t- give her the attention that she needed. He, she needed him to drop the paper, turn it to her, get up out of his seat, walk over, say, You look beautiful. Give her a hug. Give her some affection. Tell her, man, just whatever. Give her some attention. He did not do that. And that night, true story, she went out that night, gave herself up, lost her virginity, and started 20 years of prostitution. She tells her story today, testimony that she's given her life back to the Lord, or given her life to the Lord now, and she tells her testimony. That was the thing. Obviously, it didn't come from that one time. There had to have been a lack of attention before that. But that was the, the, the camel that broke the straw. How do you say that? Yeah, thank you. That thing. It was what, it was what finished it off. Amen? Amen? That moment of lack of what? Attention. Another thing we can, we can be generous with is our talents and abilities. I know he's not going to listen to this on the internet. And I know my dad won't mind me mentioning, but I have an uncle who is very talented at playing the piano. My dad, we just talked about this the other day. He could play, what was the song? My Tribute. Anybody ever heard that song, My Tribute? Oh my gosh. He could play the piano. So I mean, he took seven years of piano. And I remember being like teenager, 10, 12, adolescent, going over to my mammals, and she'd always ask him to play. And it was like pulling teeth to get him to play the piano. When he started playing that, even though he didn't want to play, It was unbelievable, the talent he had. But he was selfish with his talent. He does not play the piano today. He never did anything with it. He wasted. And I've told him that before, so don't don't worry. I'm not putting him on blast. He wasted his talent. How many people waste their talents? They're not generous with the... I mean, God gave you a talent. God gave you an ability to do something for the kingdom. And are you being selfish with it? But see, that really, all these things I'm talking about go hand in hand. Time, attention, talent and abilities. They're things that God is asking us to give to him. To be generous to his kingdom. To be generous for his plan. To to not stand hopefully one day before God and him say, Hey, what did you do with the talents I gave you? Now don't fall into the trap that I know some of you are thinking, I ain't got one talent. I know some of us are thinking that. Where's mine? I guarantee you, you have talent and you have ability. God wants to use it, but you've got to be unselfish with it. And the last one is, is, like I said, just chose for us, is our things or our possessions. Our things or our possessions. If there's something that you really like, okay, if there's something you really, really like, that's the area you need to focus on to make sure that you're not selfish with it. If you like shoes, I'm going to throw out a generic example. You love shoes. Be careful that you're not selfish with your shoes. What do I mean? What I mean is, is if you're a person that likes shoes, and I'm just giving a generic example, and you're a generous person and you don't hold on and hoard your shoes, God will give you lots of shoes. How many get what I'm saying? But if you have a thing, an article, a possession, something you hold on to very tightly and you won't let it go, then God cannot flow through your life. Okay? 
Do all, you, all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you can. I'm going to read that again. This, this is what God wants from us. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, for as long as you can. Amen? Amen? That's being generous. Let me read one more story this morning. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I think you might have still been there. I don't think I'm going to get through everything I want to this morning, but let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Because as we're getting there, I, I know another thought we have sometimes. What I don't have, I, I kind of talked about this a second ago with the talents and abilities. I don't have anything to give. That's usually a hiccup the devil uses. I don't have. Because when we begin to talk about a message like this, the first thing we think of by flesh is how much money I have in the bank, how many possessions I own, how many things I can give, and we, and we kind of put it to articles of things. And, and there, there's some truth to that. But God again, is looking at the heart. Okay, we saw the time in the, in the Bible where the, the people were coming and they were throwing all the money in the offering. And then the lady comes along and gives two mites. And what did Jesus, was Jesus excited about all those people giving? He says, no, they're giving because he knows what they have. He, even though the amounts looked like a lot because they had a lot, he said they're giving out of their abundance. She is giving everything she has. And that really goes back to not the possessions. Well, you say, well, does God want me to give everything I have? Does he want me to just go empty my bank account and just give it? No, he just wants your heart. And then if he asked you to empty your bank account, you would. Right? The heart. Is it, it's the willingness. You see that from Abraham all the way to Revelations. You see that story of Abraham where he just was asking, would Abraham be willing to take his son's life? Abraham didn't know it, but God was never going to ask him to actually kill his son. It was a test. You see the, the rich man with Jesus where he says, go and sell all your possessions. We know because we have the Bible, he was never really asking him to go sell all his possessions. He was seeing if he was willing. And so it's a hard issue where you say, well, I might not have a lot, but I'll give what I have. And the first thing I'll give is my heart. And look what it says in 2 Corinthians 8, if you're there, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So he's talking about a specific place and a specific people. Watch this. That in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded, watch this, in the riches of their liberality. So they don't have much, but they're still liberal. They're still they're still rich. They're basically saying, we, we are liberal with what we have. Okay? For I, verse 3, bear witness, this is so neat, that according to their what? To their ability. And yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. See, there's the word, willing. Imploring with us much urgency that we would receive the gift 
and the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they, watch this, what did they do first? Y'all looking at the Bible? What did they do first? They gave what? Of themselves to the Lord. And then to us by the will of God. So that goes back to, this, to the thing of if God can get your heart, he has your marriage. If God can get your heart, he has your wallet. If God can get your heart, he has your time. If God can get your heart, he has your abilities. All these things we have, but are we generous with them? And if we are generous with them, are we joyful in our generosity? Amen? True generosity, listen to this, is an offering. Again, not just money. It's an offering. True generosity. It means I offer it. That's the thing that's so powerful about Jesus. He offered his life. Remember the verse that says, they didn't take it from me. I offered it. No one killed Jesus. He offered his life. That's a humongous difference. So a true offering is, 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 true generosity is offering. Given freely, watch this, and out of pure love. No strings attached. No expectations. Time and love are the most valuable possessions you can share. Amen? Now, as I ask the musicians to come, I'm going to tell you one last story this morning. And I want you to read in your time this morning, if you're taking notes, 2 Chronicles 31. I'm not going to take the time to read it this morning. 2 Chronicles 31. And as you read that, you'll see an example in the Bible where Hezekiah got the spirit of generosity on him. He got the spirit of understanding upon him where he could be used in the kingdom in a great way. And I want you to read that later. But I want to give you another thought. Money is just one venue for generosity. Okay, just one. Kindness and thoughtfulness are an even more valuable currency. You got people who have money, and man, they'll give money. But that's all they'll give. They never give of their time. They never give of their talents. They never give of their abilities. And you have the other side. You have people who, who have abilities, and they'll give their abilities. They'll give their time. They'll say, hey, I'll be at every service. I'll do every activity, but do not ask me to give any money. Right? I mean, there's all kinds of different angles. I want to be the person, and I know you do too, that in every area of my life, everything I have is God's. If he wants something, he can have it. If he asks me to give something, I give it to him. He can just have it. Here, take it. I don't want it. I'm not going to try to, to hold it on. How many, how many are realizing this morning that there, is, there can be a joy in your generosity? You give because you want to give, not because you have to give. Amen? Now, I, 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 thought, I heard this story many years ago. It's very touching. There was a boy who was being picked up in a bus, as many ministries do, right? Being picked up in a bus. And they were taking him to church, and it was a big, 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 big church. Thousands of people. And so as, they're, as he's coming every, every, every uh, week to the ser service, they're bringing him in, and they're sitting him down, and there's kids in different places, and they begin to take up the offering. And every week the offering would pass. He'd be watching these people pull their money out, put their checks in, and, and he'd even see other kids giving money, 
And every time the, pa- the plate would pass, he would feel so horrible because he had nothing to give. He had no money to give at all. He was poor. He was picked up on a bus. He lived in a place where his parents probably drank and all these things. And so even after a while, they'd pick him up. He even asked his parents, can you give me some money? I want to put something in the offering. I really, really want, I don't want that basket to pass by me anymore and not give something. And that went on for weeks. And of course, his parents weren't going to give him no money to church. And he kept asking and begging and looking. He'd be looking for money. And he couldn't find any money. He'd be just trying and trying and trying to get something together so they could put in the offering. And never happened. So one day, one of the most crazy, this is a true story as well, one of the most crazy things happened. They were passing the plates. And after they would pass them, at this particular church, they would bring him and they'd put him up on the altar and they would pray over him. And during the time of this service, one day, the boy gets up, walks down to the front of the altar and stands inside the offering basket. Church starts crying. Church starts weeping. It started a revival in the church. And they said, what are you doing? He says, I don't have any money to give, but I want to give God myself today. That's what the whole message of generosity is about. That you put yourself in the offering basket. That you put yourself into the life of somebody else. That you give and you give and you give. And you know that in the end, you will reap a harvest. Just the joy of generosity. Generosity.